Father and our God, we are pressing on the upward way. We desire to gain new heights every day. We remain onward bound. Our burden is that you will plant our feet every day on higher ground of work, of relationship, of revelation, of knowledge of you, to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright till we have found heaven, till we have made the prize, till we have made the mark. Lord, our heart has no desire to stay where the past, where the world, where the rest of the pack are. We want to do one thing, look beyond them, keep them behind. Where doubts arise, where faith dismays, where a lot of things mar the garment of righteousness, that is our clothing, even to obtain the prize. Lord, some may dwell there, but our prayer is that we will press on to higher ground. So make us do. Today, the rest of the days of this year, to the glory of your name, to the utmost prize, the goal of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. I welcome you again to the new year and to the first Sunday of this year. We will thank the Lord who has brought us over. He will see us through not just through like people who have just survived, but gaining new heights, gaining greater grace, gaining greater knowledge, gaining greater wisdom, gaining greater piety, gaining greater clothing, and being wrapped with a garment of righteousness, away from the pack, and singularly out, making the mark to heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ. Our text is taken from the book of Philippians chapter 3. Where we had already read in our lesson. We'll just take a look at verses 12 to 14. And we go on with them. Not as though I had already attained. Either we are already perfect. But I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, 
in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying that I have this all together. That I have it made. But I'm well on my way. Reaching out for Christ. Who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this. But I've got my eye on the goal. Where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. And I'm not turning back. Everybody tell the other person beside you. I'm not turning back. I don't mean that I'm exactly what God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal. But I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. That's what Christ Jesus wants me to do. It is the reason he made me his. Brothers and sisters, I know that I still have a long way to go. But there is one thing I do. I forget what is in the past and try as hard as I can to reach the goal before me. I keep running hard towards the finish line to get the prize that is mine because God has called me through Christ Jesus to obtain this to life. Up there in heaven. Praise the Lord. Let's buttress the summary of this message. And the summary of this year's theme. With scenario that is current around us. Scenario that is the matter of the moment. The political scenario. Donald Trump. The current president of the United States of America. Around 2015, 2016, about 18 months to when the elections was already here, when he kicked off his campaign to become the president of the United States of America, was given no chance. Nobody gave him any chance. He had tried some time ago as an independent candidate. But they said, just like him, a playboy kind of thing. A business tycoon who wanted to do investment. He drew back. But when he started this time around, and he contested, and he got along with 12 presidential aspirants from the then Republican Party, nobody gave him chance. And they said he was going to drop out at the very first debate. Out of the twelve, one by one, they began to drop. They began to go back. They began to look back. And that we are hauled at him. Innuendos. He was even attacked. Some of them may be truth. His personal life was also on the purview. But he just kept his goal. I'm making it. I'm making it. I'm getting there. Like joke, like joke. Even when nobody believed him, he matched the presidential candidate of his party. And he was pitched against Hillary Clinton. And everybody, the pundits, the bookmakers, 
Those who know tomorrow before it comes. Those who are wise in the way of the world. Those who do permutations about how the year will go. Those who already say because of this and that that has happened in the past. Therefore, he was given no chance. And yet, without any chance in the eyes of men, in the political gladiator's eyes, and in the generality of many of the Americans, he emerged the president. He had his eye on the prize of presidency, given no chance, given tribulations, he kept his eye on the goal. He got there. To the dismay and surprise of many. That's the lesson of God to us this year. What about our president now, Buhari? Serial contestant and serial loser. We are speaking facts. Ever since he entered the political arena as a civilian. 2003, he contested as a president, he lost. 2007, he contested as a president, he lost. 2011, he contested as a president, he also lost. And at each of those stages of contesting, there were also some who contested along in other parties, so to say. They pulled back. They were never heard of again. And they closed shop. And they will only make some noise once in a while to show that they are still alive and maybe in Nigeria. Yet, 2015, giving no chance and his age going, he still kept his eye even when he had decided in 2011 to turn back, look back, remember the past, get at his old experiences. He said, I'm contesting again. And out of a pack of presidential aspirants that lined up, at least five of them who contested with him, he matched the aspirant, the candidate of his party. And the rest is history. He made his political prize. He got his goal, which is what? The president of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. And today, at 76 years of age, he's still pressing on. He wants a return ticket. That's the power of pressing on and keeping on irrespective of the odds and not being drawn back. What are the major opponents in the other political party? Alaji Atiku Abubakar. For 27 years, since 1991, and these are political facts and history in Nigeria, but God is asking us, draw a look from them and then hit the mark. Running and let nothing lay you back or keep you on the ground where others have decided to abound, neither looking back nor marking time in the name of Jesus Christ. 1991, in the days of Social Democratic Party and National Republican Convention, that was when his quest to emerge as a presidential candidate of a party started. 27 years ago, many people here were not born by then. And he has kept it ongoing. When the civilian regime continued later on from 1999, he had been a vice president, he had moved from one party to another, 
he had moved back, he had moved in, he had moved out, he had moved around, but he has at last, 1998, 27 years after, got his goal, which was to be what? Named a presidential candidate of a party. I'm sure even if he doesn't win, he may tell himself, I got my prize. I wasn't just an aspirant. I have become what? A candidate. And in the ways of Nigeria, he may put it in his CV. And then when you write, you might write what? PC. Presidential candidate. Year 2019. But what is the lesson? They kept at it. They wavered through the storms and odds. They didn't mark any barrier. And where others were dropping and where there were challenges, they kept their eye on the goal. There is a prize and they are out and running. And they were not disappointed. They seem to have got their political prize, at least to some extent. And God is saying, we have a prize. We have a goal. We have a crown awaiting for us that is not perishable, that is not defiled, that is not corruptible, that does not fade, that doesn't change, preserved in heaven for us. First Peter 1.4 And many people run in a race. Or would they go to do what? To win. But only one receives the prize. And when they run, they run to receive that which is what? Perishable. Corruptible. That lasts and does not continue forever. If Buhari wins and becomes president again, he will never ever again after this ever become president of Nigeria again. Or will he? Terminated. No third term, at least, as far as Nigeria still stands. If Atiku wins, for instance, eight years maximum, will he ever aspire to that goal anymore? Their law will be gone. But this one is enduring, more nobling, a prize that remains. And where Jesus says in John 14.3, I have gone to prepare a place for you, and when I have finished, I will come and take you. That where I am, you also will be. And so a place that is interiorly decorated by Jesus. Infested surveyor, Jesus. The builder, Jesus. The gold-paved city. I'm sure you heard in the prophecy. That gold is about one of the things that are waiting there. Already deposited. Reserved. There's a price of an upward calling in Christ Jesus. And everyone that has sense. That has wisdom. And everyone that has been so called of God. That has been already laid hold on. That is already on a kingdom lifestyle journey. Aims. Should aim should have a goal and keep his eye on the ball and nothing will make him miss it in the name of Jesus. Of course, as you capture the gallant, as you win the prize, 
the things also that make for life and godliness, they will also be there. And so God is asking us this year to press on. And pressing on means give it a push. Don't remain where you are. Pressing on means just put firm pressure. Put an effort. It's an active process. You don't remain where you are. You don't remain the same yesterday. There is emotion. There is a pressure. There is an activity. It's an unimmediate life going thing. When you are pressing, you are pressing firmly. You are pressing in order to squeeze closely. To put something in place or to put yourself in place. And he says, in this year and in this life, and if you will make it through, press. Don't just stand by. Don't go back. Don't dwell on the past. Press on. Put pressure. Be on the move. Gain new highs every day. Gain new revelation of me. Increase in my knowledge by the word. And live every day more nearly like me. Desire to be what I wanted to be. Desire to be who I wanted to be. Let my nature every day be more rubbed on in your life and through you. And maintain integrity. Maintain lifestyle. Maintain my delight on you. Let it be your priority. Let it be your paramount demand. To do what I want you to do. And to live every day more nearly as God will want us to be to him. Reflecting his light. Holding forth the word of light. Pressing. Not at ease. Not studying. Not counting your gains in the past. Not remaining idle. In order to win the prize. To win the goal. To make the mark. To reach there. The ultimate. Every other thing we struggle for here this year in this world will end here. Some others will end before six feet deep. Many will not go to the grave. The certificates, the accolades, the applause, the exam successes, the promotions, every of the business renewed contracts, they all have a terminal date. But as you press on to this one, it endures. It ennobles. And the wisdom and the grace that makes you focused on that will make you, as you seek first the kingdom, and maintain an attitude, a mindset, a lifestyle that keeps you away from the rest who are just at ease and who are remaining at the level of their successes or looking back, you will also gain all that is required for life and godliness in the name of Jesus Christ. This letter to the Philippians, from which our brother Paul wrote, which gave us verse 14, and which gave us the theme, was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit around A.D. 64, when Paul was a prisoner in a Roman jail, waiting for an eventual death, which he didn't know when it will come. And the immediate occasion for his writing, as we see in Philippians chapter 4, 10 to 18, was to thank particularly the Christians here in Philippi, who though they are a small band, started and a small group, but they had already grappled what it meant to live for God, and had identified with not only the Macedonian church, but also with him 
in his prison at his point of need. And he wrote to appreciate them. He wrote to thank them. But as he also wrote to thank them in his wisdom and in his pride, he also decided to encourage them to live after the nature of the mind of Christ. That's what we find in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. He says, as you live, let this mind, let this nature, let this attitude be fine to you as people who don't just have an earthly destination, an ultimate that ends in whatever else is your burden for this year to achieve or to make a mark. Let this mind be in you, the mind of the nature of Christ. He encouraged them also to conduct their lives in harmony with the nature of the gospel. Philippians 1.27 And then he also asked them to seek to be blameless and harmless in this perverse and crooked generation irrespective of the path to rise up in righteousness and remain holding forth the word of life because they don't belong here. And he now told them in chapter 3 that there were people Judaizing teachers who had come teaching a false doctrine, they had to mark them. They had to mark them. And they had to manifest a difference and take care of such because they can weigh them down from person towards the mark. And so Paul proved that even while in prison, suffering for the sake of the gospel, he never lost his passion, he never lost his mission, he never lost whatever goal he was heading to. He was in chains, attached to a Roman soldier, a Praetorian guard. But he had an overwhelming passion that was beyond what hardship he was in, what challenges were facing him at the moment. And so he outlined his priorities. He outlined his goal. He set his goal and showed his perseverance in chapter 3, where we have just read part of it here in verses 12 to 14. He reminds us of his trophies, of his prizes, of his gallants, of his goals, of the things he had garnered up in the course of time. Earlier in chapter 3, he had told us of his CV, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Jew par excellence, concerning the law blameless, concerning zeal a Pharisee, keeping all manner of things. Learned at the feet of Gamaliel, the foremost professor of law in those days. He had them. He showed us his prizes. And yet, he had discarded them. And yet, he had counted them but lost. Treating them as trash, as dung. Treating them as garbage heap. That's how one of the versions put it there. In order that compared to Christ... And continually being found with him. And running a race to obtain also the utmost prize there. Which his earlier collections could not by any means compare to. He had his focus on him. He had his priority. And he focused on one thing. He has set up his mind on one thing. And he had a tactic. One of the strategies which is one of the ways we would consider just shortly today, in pressing towards the mark, forget the past, forget what you were yesterday, forget what happened day before yesterday, forget yesterday, forget the successes, 
Forget the failures. Forget the past where you are coming from. Forget the world where there are standards. Forget rubbing shoulders with them. You are on another competition in a race where it is not just the ordinary pack who are there. There are a pack of witnesses who have run this race and are already at the grandstand awaiting your arrival. They also want you to arrive graciously receiving the prize. And so, I pray it will be with you and I in the name of Jesus Christ. So he says, my secret is to forget the past. To forget the things that had gone behind. And to look forward to what lies ahead. And he persists, pressing on towards the goal until he has obtained it. And so in Philippians 3, 12 through to 14, we see him, though an apostle, though a Jewish religious champion, though he had known about Christ, he says, my goal is to know him the more. My goal is to be found in him the more. My goal is to be found in his nature the more. My goal is to so be lost in him that I can also experience the power of his resurrection. I don't mind going through the same sufferings as he has gone through, the challenges as they come, but ultimately I want to press on, lodging ahead and get towards the mark of receiving welcome home. Good and faithful servant. So he outlined them here. And made us know that the motivation for pressing on lies in the realization that we do not fully yet arrive. We have not yet fully known him all. We have not fully grown to his nature yet. And he wants more and more of him. And like newborn babes, to desire the sincermic of the world to grow thereby. And as we are told in 2 Timothy 3.18, that as we also behold his face and behold his glory, that we will grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.18 as well. In grace, in his nature, in his mercy, in his knowledge. We are told in the course of this service that there are gifts, but there are banners. Gifts are there for the taking. Already labeled, wrapped up, but there are banners that require a certain lifestyle of which we must measure. And as we measure, then we can choose the gift. So, if the choice is ours to make up our mind that irrespective of the challenges, irrespective of the things we meet on on our way, having started a kingdom lifestyle journey, we are not going to deter. We are not going to derail. We are not going to linger by the way. We will press on to the price, to the ultimate, to the goal, to the mark. It doesn't end here. We have our destination and we have a goal. And we will arrive there in the name of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm pressing on. I'm forging ahead. I'm taking all the strides. I'm making all the efforts to move on. To be in the realm where God originally created us. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 26, 27, Let us make man after our image and in our own likeness. And God made man after his likeness and in his own image. And man took on the nature of And he could have fellowship with man. Man had wisdom. Man could name the animals. Man could interact with God. 
But as Adam and Eve gave way, they looked back. They looked behind. They went back to the original state. As it were. Where the devil was coming from. And they were taken aback. Simply by their law. And the challenge that kept before them. They lost it. And that is what Jesus has come. And that's what Paul is saying. That we want to gain that again. That where he is. We shall also be. And First John 3 says. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We know that when he appears, we shall be as he is. We shall also be within. That's a goal. That's a knowledge. And that's a fact that is true. And those that have this hope, which is a lively hope, it is not fable. It is not fairy tale. It is not in Bagaba. It is not if necessary. It is not if possible. It is a lively hope. A hope that is already waiting. First Peter 1 4 says, reserved in heaven for you. Friend, there is a reservation for everyone who has been laid hold on by the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means, who has already found salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ? Who has already expressed personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what Paul says here. There is a reason for which Jesus has reached out to me, laid hold on me. And that reason is that I might also be with him where he is. And that's what I'm pressing towards on. And there's a reservation already where Jesus is that does not change. I will get there by the need of God in Jesus name. You will make it also in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what our team is saying. So we press forward. And Paul says, I have a secret. I forget the things that are behind. I do not allow the things of this world to derail, to detract me, to distract me from my goal of eternal dwelling and prize. Beyond the things of the world. I do not allow so. I keep that single eye. And I press on. Hebrews 3.1 says. We are people of high calling. Heavenly calling. We look unto Jesus. The high priest. And the apostle of our profession. We look at Jesus. Who is the ultimate. Who is God's centerpiece for everything. If you have that focus, then you will be kept every day on edge. You will be kept every day on alert. You will be kept every day not looking back and not relating in the name of Jesus Christ. And so the power of this hope in the life of the Christian keeps our eye, keeps our life, keeps our heart focused on Jesus and focused on where he is. And he who endured the cross. Despised the shame. Encountered challenges, hostilities and difficulties. And was in every way. Hebrews 4, 14, 15. Tempted like we are. Yet he prevailed without sin. Hebrews 2, 9 to the end. Says that he took upon himself the form of human flesh. In order that he might be in the nature of those of us 
who are humans now and go through the same daily struggles, challenges that were involved in and suffered. And he became the captain of our salvation through suffering and through the death of death. And from there, he is now able to break the band and the yoke of him who has the power and the bondage over those who are still in the flesh and break the pangs of the devil and hold upon everyone. And salvation, freedom, liberty comes through him. And so if Jesus has taken hold of you, you are free in the name of Jesus Christ. And if the seed of Christ is in you, he says for this reason was Jesus made manifest to destroy all the works of the devil. Every work. Sin first. Every other burden. And every other need and challenge. He says see the high priests. See the apostle of our profession. Of our confession. He has run his race. And he set his eye. On the throne of glory. The joy of the crown laid before him. On that motivation. He prevailed. He is now in conquering mode. Seated on the right hand of God. And as Psalm 110 will say, he's waiting for his enemies to also be put under his footstool. And who are the ones who are doing it? Why we are running to win our own prize? He said, out of Zion have I released my rod of strength. And he will say, strike them down. And then make all nations obedient unto his will. Out of the mouth of Zion. And that's who we are. The strength of the rod of him. Yet alive. Making a prize. So we can submit ourselves. Willingly. To the lifestyle. To the requirements. To the goals. That are required. To make this prize. And live a life that is a delight to him. In Matthew 3.17. Heaven bore witness. And said this is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. This is my pilgrim here on journey. Who has a goal? So far this year, I take delight in him. I take delight in her. I take delight in everything that is his life and our life. And that is what God is calling us to. And that is what we seem to get to in the name of Jesus Christ. But what is the one tactic out of the many things that help us press on this year to win that prize? Philippians 3.13 we read it in different versions. He says here, Brethren, I have not arrived. I do not mark time. I'm not in steady state maintenance Christianity. I'm not just in settling down and counting my pots, counting my gains, looking like the man whose band had grown rich. And then, now, at level, what shall I do? I, 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 I have removed my eye from the goal. It is now on me. It is now on what I can do. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't by any means gone near the state where I ought to be. I haven't breached that level yet. But this one thing I do. I forget the things which are behind. I forget the things which are past. I leave aside the things which belong to the nature of the world from which I have been apprehended. I have been taken hold of by Jesus. I leave them behind. I leave them behind and I let them go. I leave the lifestyle that is common around 
with everybody in a way of pressing on in the things in line, in getting by, in getting an advantage. I leave them behind. I forget them. I am in their midst, but spiritually, I switch off from them. I leave them behind. I forget them. I forget the past successes. I forget the past failures. I forget the past successes I had achieved and garnered up. Why? Because if I dwell on my past success, I will get rooted. I will get fixated to the past. I cannot get motivated to move on. I will get big-headed. I will get ego bloated. I will continually think about what I have been, what I have achieved, what I was able to do. And those will mar me, will deter me, will derail me, will slacken my motivation to ever press on. I also forget my past failures. I forget them. 19, Kredim, 2018, yesterday, when I was in the world, Whatever they have been, yesterday, last week, I forget my past failures. Because if I keep dwelling on my past failures, I will also get bogged down. I will be weighed down. They will weigh too heavily on me that it will not be possible for me to drum up faith. They will drain faith from me. They will drain progress from me. They will remove my confidence to go on. And I will continually think of failure and never being able to make it and remaining at where the people of English will call near success syndrome. Almost got there, but never at the point. And that is where a number of people remain as it were. So I forget the past attainments. I forget every of the areas that will have made me surpass expectations when I were on them. And whether it is in our Christian life, an identity, or in our human pursuits, in our physical and material life, in our academic and professional callings, in our career, in our family relationships. I forget them. I forget them. I forget them. And I have a motivation to move on. Let's just take this scenario. People are running a race. And as they are running a race, this person is constantly looking back. Constantly looking back. Will he likely win that race? 100 meters dash. He's not likely to win because he's in seconds. He will likely miss the prize. He may get to the end, but he may lose the prize. You are driving a car to a destination. And each time, especially over the bends, you keep looking back. You keep looking back. You keep looking whether you have overtaken one or the bends you have overtaken. Are you likely to reach at your destination? A crash may be on the way. For one who doesn't look forward and keeps doing what? Looking back over the distance he had already negotiated. What about your place of work? You're always looking back. Looking back to past year. Looking back to past experience. Looking back. Ruminating over missed opportunities. Missed opportunities for promotion, for advancement. Missed opportunities for favorable appraisal. Miss opportunities for a favorable letter of recommendation. You're always looking back over missed contracts, missed clients, missed customers. You will be so drained out. You can't be motivated to even make better than that. What are those of us who are students? You are involved in an exam and the exam is still going on. And while the exam is still going on, 
All you are occupied with is always thinking of the past exam that you just took yesterday, last week. Thinking of it. Thinking of it. What answer you gave. How you answered. How you should not have answered. How you should have answered. And you're always on that, dwelling on it. And maybe you had a clinical, oral, practical exam. And you are thinking on what that examiner said. What is facial expression meant? When he raised his hand, whether he brought it down and said, hey, this is gone. And you're always thinking back there. The motivation to read for the next exam will be drained. And many of the times, those who do that, especially as you found, you may even scale by in that one that you were looking back at. And yet, fail the one that you should have gone forward to get on. What about our family relationships? You always remember just what harsh words, what ill treatment had been meted out to you. That's the one you remember. And how many times it has been done. You did it yesterday. We are in the new year now. You said the same thing last year. You have continued on it. You said it three times just this new year. And that's all that occupy your mind. Looking back to the relationships, to the ill treatment that have come your way. Most of the times, if that relationship has not gotten to being a wedding and a home, it will crash. And many of the times, that relationship in a married setting is not healthy. That's the power of looking back and not looking forward. We just take some of them, particularly because that is where God made mention of clearly. You heard it in this morning again. There's a banner of righteousness, which God is asking you to wrap around. With that banner, you can get as many of the gifts of gold, of celebration, of silver, and mark on and receive even the accolade is waiting. But without that, the gifts may be there, but you will yet sweat on and be one who will rave around them. And so Paul says, I forget the past. I forget what lies behind. I forget what lies in the world where I have lived. I forget the things that have gone on with me. I don't bring them into this year. I don't bring them into this race. I don't bring them into pressing on in my life and living this year. I let them behind. And I pray that that is what will also take place with you and I in the name of Jesus. We talked about forgetting the past successes in order to press forward and to forget the past failures. We look at the scripture and look at what I call the three SIS syndrome. The three S's who had initial successes, but they kept going back to their past. They kept going back to a lifestyle that was alien to where God had brought them. And they never made it. The prize, the calling, the goal in their lives was terminated. Many of them prematurely. Look at the example of the man Saul. Saul syndrome, we will call it. Initial success. The Bible tells us in First Samuel chapter 16 verse 1 that it came to the point that God asked Samuel, why are you still mourning, grieving, being sad over who? Saul. Because I have done what? Rejected him. What verdict? From him who appointed him in the first instance. Who made him the first king of Israel? Who gave him a unique position to lay a legacy? And perchance, 
it would have been the lineage and the descendancy of Saul that would have been running instead of that of David. Perchance. Perchance. He got it in a platter of gold. He didn't campaign. He didn't give stomach infrastructure. He didn't give goat or cow. He didn't do vote buying or vote selling. And I pray that that type of lifestyle is not what is going to be found among those who are pressing on here this year in the name of Jesus. He never did any of this. God singularly selected him. Even Samuel the seers didn't know him. God already announced his arrival ahead of time. Tomorrow by this time, there shall come to sit at table with you. A man whom I will appoint the king of Israel. First Samuel 9. And the moment Saul was arriving on a different mission. Not in his agenda. Not in his vocabulary. Not in his program. President Sheikh Shagare was just buried, I think, about a week ago. And his ultimate ambition was to be who? A senator. But they dragged him. And so many of his politicians, you know, when somebody dies, that's when all the incomings fall. That's when everybody wants to say things good. But his was true. They said the drafted politician. The unwilling politician. In his widest imagination, he said he wasn't to be a senator. And he became the first president of Nigeria. Civilian. Saul had that golden opportunity. That God pointed him out to Samuel. And even when it came to the Israelites, they couldn't identify him. Even when the Lord has fallen on him. And the Bible says that when they eventually were told of God, we had to ferret him out from, when he stood up from his shoulders, he was taller than every Israelite. And God used that physical symbolism to demonstrate what he wanted Saul as the first king of Israel to do. Taller than every other person in respect. Taller than every other person in wisdom. Taller than any other person in statesmanship. Taller than any other person in character. And taller than any other person in holding responsibility. That was what he depicted then. That was how God found him. But alas, midway along the journey, Saul got for himself another syllabus, another vocation. He began to chase David out of envy and out of jealousy and abused the right abused the responsibility abused the gift that God gave him on a platter and God pronounced a verdict even while he was still alive initial success syndrome Saul fell out and fell out completely that he became history while still alive he could not get it to the end his lineage was terminated that will not be a syndrome in the name of Jesus Christ look at something Initial success syndrome. Another S-man. A man gifted with anointing, gifted with power beyond any other you could see physically in the Old and in the New Testament. Go through the rest of the letters in the Bible. There was no other person whose human strength, not spiritual, powered to equal Samson's or to equal his strength. He could kill 1,000 with the jawbone of an ass. He could slay many. He could skin many people alive. He could lift up the pillar holding a building 
and 3,000 people will be the casualty. What great strength, great anointing, great gift coming from God. But what did Samson look back at? What was his undoing? Sexual immorality. His secrets. Instead of receiving continuous revelation from God, his secrets, his anointing, his power, his giftedness was leaking and leaking on a continual basis. Leaking from one person from the other, from one prostitute, from the woman at the uh, valley of Sorek to Delilah finally. One secret, second secret, third secret, until the power drained from him. And what do we have in Judges 16.20? Samson says, I will get me up as usual, as in the past. I will get me up as I used to do. I will get me up as it used to be with me. And I will do what? Shake myself. Shake it, shake it. But where was he getting off from? From the laps of Delilah. A most unlikely place for God to deposit his power and to leave his anointing untouched. It has leaked away. Instead of progressively pressing on with our power to yet live more and make more exploits and conquering, Samson died at the altar of expending his power away with immoral living. Look at the third SI syndrome. Solomon. Solomon walked with God. Solomon loved God. Solomon was beloved of God. And Solomon was humble. And Solomon was given an initial success of peace. And Solomon was wiser than any other person before or after him. And Solomon's fame spread. Not by might of military prowess. Not by might of the troops he commanded. But singularly by what? Wisdom that came from above. Which God bestowed on him. And even when God asked, Tell me what I shall give you. First Kings chapter 3. From verse 3. The Bible says, Solomon so loved the Lord. And his heart was tender. That he asked the Lord. And said, Give me wisdom. That's all I need. Give me wisdom. To be able to take care of these people after your own nature. And God said, I have seen your heart. I have seen your good. I have seen your mindset. I have given you wisdom. And I'm also giving you what? Might. I'm giving you wealth. I'm giving you fame. Beyond the things you have asked. Great success. Great initial intentment. Great for this. To all gone. But what did we learn about Solomon? When you get further to 1 Kings 11 verse 49 and 1 Kings 4, 9 and 12. He said, But Solomon loved many wives and strange women at that. And from there they drew his heart which was close to God, which had continual revelation, which had progressive work with God which receive judgments to do, which receive how to attend to issues of state, continual revelation, continual knowledge of God. From that, Solomon now went far from God, and that became his own undoing. He also was lost out on being like what he was supposed to have left back 
and come on. And so that left him. Initial success syndrome. They all became history while they were still alive. Never meriting the reason for which they had been taking hold of and going on there. And what about you? Is any of this still relevant in your life? We will come to the failures aspect. But look at the gifts. Look at the close work with God. Look at the responsibility. Look at the position. Look at where God has given you to occupy. And these are all that came all to work and to make profit of it towards heaven and maintain an identity. And men frittered it away because they looked back. They went back to the life that they were supposed to have abandoned. And that will not be our portion in the name of Jesus Christ. But look at the real failure syndromes. The same thing. The same garment running through. Look at lost wife syndrome. And lost wife syndrome, Genesis 19.17 says, Escape for your life. Escape. Press away. Press on for your life. Do not look back. Clear instruction. Do not look back. Forget Sodom. Forget what it represents. Forget worldliness. Forget it. Forget ungodly living. Forget the sexual perversion that all are identified with Sodom. Irrespective of the good things you have gotten there. Forget them. Forget that standard of life. Let it be anathema to your life anymore. Close the door to it. Do not look back. It represents destruction. Destruction to your testimony and abating your race. Escape. Press on. Press on. Genesis 19.26 Lot's wife looked back from behind him. Many behinds in her life. And Luke 17.32 Remember Lot's wife syndrome. Remember the attraction and the pull to the world, to the things, to who you were, to what lifestyle had been there. Forget it, or else this is also a derailing of pressing on. But let's dwell here on Esau's syndrome. Can somebody read for us Genesis 25, 29 to 34? If you have message Bible, more direct. Genesis 25, 29 to 34. One day, Jacob was cooking a stew. Esau came in from the field, starved. Esau said to Jacob, Give me some of that red stew. I'm starved. That's how he came to be called Edom Red. Jacob said, Make me a trade. My stew for your rights as the firstborn. Esau said, I'm starving. What good is a better right if I'm dead? Jacob said, First swear to me. And he did it. On oath, Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn. Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils. He ate and drank, got up and left. That's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. Thank you. He traded away his birthright that gave him a right to own every other thing that had been his father's. Isaac. And how did he trade it away? Say, what use is this birthright to me when I am famished, when I am about to die? What was the reason that was about to kill him? Hunger. Physical hunger. It could be financial hunger. It could be 
power hunger. It could be material hunger. It could be belonging hunger, social hunger. That was the perception he got. A man with a birthright would go to run and extend the lineage. Maybe would have been talking about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of who? Esau. That's what he may have been. But what do we have? The God of Jacob. Somebody got it clearly. Traded off. And traded it off. It was only a matter of survival. It was only a matter of trading off. Bargain. It was a matter to help me get by for now. And the Bible said when he was given the red stew, which made him red, red Esau, he sat down, he ate, he got up, and he did what? He went. In other words, it didn't mean one bit to him. Hebrews 12:16 now says, as a comment to what he did in the old, you will see that all those that happened in the old had their commentary in the new, as it were. And so Hebrews 12:16 now says, watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gifts in order to satisfy a short-term appetites. Watch out for the Esau syndrome as you press on this year in your dealings around, in your dealings with people, in your efforts to get by, in your struggles. We heard about struggle, struggle, struggle. Whereas seamlessly all you need is to wrap around the garment and the banner of righteousness and God will Keep them waiting for you. Praise the Lord. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to do what? Satisfy a short-term appetite. That's all we need from that passage. And so friends, what you have left, what the world is that you should forget, that should lie behind you, watch out in this year, if you want to pray some, that they do not bug you with you tending to trade off or despise your birthright. Birthright for you is that you are born again. Your birthright today equivalent is that Jesus has saved you. Is that you are now a child of God, not by works, but by grace. And by grace he found you. And that's of costly price. Because it didn't come by the blood of bulls and goats. It cost the precious blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And as you merely looked up in faith unto him. He granted you the liberty. And the bondage holding you from the depths of darkness. He broke and brought you into the marvelous kingdom of light. To show forth his praise. Because of the seed of Christ in you that had been there. And he says, if anyone has the seed of Christ in him, he does not make a practice of sin. He doesn't keep going back and forth. He doesn't trade that salvation as if it doesn't matter. It costs Jesus his blood on the cross. And he will demand for it in anyone who goes away, treating it as if it doesn't matter. So friends, as you press on this year, watch out for the Esau syndrome. 
Are you perhaps? Are you still in the mood? Are you tempted or believing or trying to walk with the same mindset? Trading your honesty. Trading your integrity. Trading your faith for promotion. Trading them for higher pay. Trading them for getting along with others. Signing up false invoices. Clocking up wrong timings. And people will just nod and say, they say they are doing. Watch out for occasions that make you simply go back to what you should have closed shop on. Walk back on. And then cast an aspersion on your Christian faith. On who is in you. And make a mark of a banner of unrighteousness on you. Watch out also for tendency to trade your salvation, your honesty, your integrity, just to get along with others. Watch out for tendency to go asking the visioners about life partnership, about childbirth, about happenings in my family, amongst us here. Watch out for them because you are no better than those who are trading their salvation on the altar. And he says iniquity and witchcraft is also like sorcery and is a stubbornness. It's like idolatry. Watch out also for occasions of trading your salvation to maintain a company, to maintain a status, to maintain a social circle. And so you compromise. And so you travel. Watch out for occasions that may make you to trade your Christian identity and salvation just to be able to merit to be in the good books of the office. To get a chance to travel abroad. Compromise to get your promotion. To get your appointment letter. Trading away your Christian identity, your virginity, your chastity. Because others are doing it. Because of the pressures of the internet. Because of also the society. To get by in office. To gain favor. To curry favor. To get contract, watch out for that tendency to say it doesn't matter. Those of you who are cutting, it doesn't matter. Everybody is doing it. And your name has been rebaptized, everybody. And your identity is put on there. And you put a curse on yourself. By the time you are doing your real wedding and saying I do. Because whosoever defies the temple of God, him also will God destroy. And he says, every other sin a man commits, a woman is outside. This one, it's against the body where the Holy Spirit is supposed to be dwelling in somebody who has already received a mark that is going to heaven. And so if you take it lightly, then God is serious about that. Watch out for occasions like that. To get scores, to get marks, to get by, to meet needs in hard times. That's how we explain it. Particularly the women around, maybe those who have lost, want to help them, to meet needs. To put food on the table. To pay bills. That's what you explain it away. You are trading away God's long time gift. Eternal enduring. For what? Short time appetite. Meet a short term need. Tell us you use what you have. To get what you need. Whose language is that? That's the language of where you are supposed to have forgotten. And anyway where it comes in. Then you are also on the danger line. Of going the way of Esau syndrome. Watch out for infidelity. Infidelity amongst married people. Today, here, this year, if you are in that web, we prayed for some yesterday as God revealed, and is still revealing. Watch out 
And if you are in that web, you are not pressing anywhere. It's already a gap around the news, around your head. Watch out for that. And God still gave a message between yesterday and today about infidelity around us here. Watch out. And if you are in that gap, this is a time to be delivered. And to totally forget that past. Extricate yourself and press on in the name of Jesus. Look at the message God gave. The men, most of them are living like pigs. Vomiting and still going back to their vomit. Licking it up again. He's referring to people who worship here. He's referring to us. It grieves my heart so much. The resources which I gave unto them, some spend it with strange women. In this assembly, where you are supposed to have an identity, and you are already trading away God's lifelong gift. The mark against the wise of the enemy. You are trading it away. Some strange it on strange women. Many are clothed with wolf's garment. Wolves in their homes, those in my presence. Tell me, where have I offended them? I don't want to visit any of them with my rod. Call them to order. And God is speaking to men and to women and to all. But you particularly, the men, call them to order. Where have I offended them? My spirit is grieved each day. In the days of my wrath, I will show no mercy. And so this is a wake up call. God has told us there's an ark. The ark of those who have the birthright, who are in Christ Jesus. We heard that yesterday. The ark where Noah had already gone with his family. And God is the one who brings protection, shuts the ark against the sea, against the flood, against the rain of the year. And no man can on his own open it. But it says here that anyone who is still with these lifestyles and habits may be swallowed. He has promised protection. He has promised victory. Despite the tumults, the challenges, and the hard times this year. But anyone who is not yet cleansed with the ark will also be swallowed. May you be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. May it no longer be a pastime. May it no longer be a habit. You are going back to what you should have forgotten. To a lifestyle God delivered you from. And if you are reveling in it, secretly or openly, the Lord is asking. This is the time to own up and to press forward. I even hear that some men patronize Anekachime. You know Anekachime? Is it Anekachime? Some men born again, perhaps with the Spirit of God, and you find time with the resources of God, which is giving you to go around Udi and patronize what? Pami. Trading away God's lifetime gift, long term, for what? Short term appetite. That's what you need to turn away from. And that's where you need to start buying. That's where you need to start revising. And the Lord will have mercy in the name of Jesus Christ. What are the young people? Internet, pornography. I gave a statistics we had some time ago that some people carried out a research and said that the average age at which young men lose their virginity, no longer are virgins, they have had sexual intercourse, 
The average age for them is 17 and a half years. And the average age at which young women, young ladies, lose their virginity, it's not even in their 20s, is 17.2 years. In other words, 17 years, 2 months, 3 months, so to say. Average. And some drink it as water. And some say others are doing it. And some say I need to belong. And others say I need to prove that I'm a man. Who told you? And others say I need to pray, prove I'm a woman. I can have seed. And so you are trading away your virginity and trading away God's lifelong gift of salvation. Holy temple in you for a short-term passion. Watch out. This will weigh you down. You are going nowhere. You need to drum them and put on the garment of righteousness and press on in the name of Jesus. And then let's look at the Gehazi syndrome. Then we'll round up here. God is saying, watch out for these that will be rampant and that are capable of bringing the past which you should have put a bat on that they do not follow you on. And if you are caught in their web already, repent. Remember from where you have fallen. Repent. Go back to the first walk and then press on. Then I can accept you. Can we read Second Kings 5, 20 to 27? Second Kings 5, 20 to 27. Then he hadn't gone far. When Gehazi, servant to Elisha, the holy man, said to himself, my master has let this Aramean name and slip through his fingers so, without so much as a thank you. King James, you say, without receiving some word, you know, something, without receiving some word from him. He has let him slip through his fingers without so much as a thank you. By the living God, I'm going after him to get something or other. Do you see how the phrase is going? Thank you. Somewhat. Something. Just something. To part life. And so, I'm going after him to get something from him. And Gehazi took off after Naaman. Naaman saw him running after him. Jumped down from his chariot to greet him. Is something wrong? Nothing is wrong. Something has come up. Are you identifying the language? Something has come up. Come on trendy language, is it not so? And when you start using that language, watch out. A language and a lifestyle and a demand you should have forgotten about and close shop. Something has come up. My master sent me to tell you. Two young men just showed up from the hill country of Ephraim. Brothers from the guild of the prophets. In James we say sons of the prophets. He has worked spiritual. Telling holy lies. Supply their need with a gift of 75 pounds of silver. That's a talent of silver. And a couple of sets of clothes. The man said, of course. How about 150 pounds? When you're already trading off, and when you're going their way, the devil will help you out to do what? Double it. He asked for one talent. How much was Neman promising? Seamlessly. 75 pounds of silver. He said, no man said, what about 150? We are partners in this business. He said, how about 150 pounds? No man insisted. He tied up the money in two sacks 
gave them the two sets of clothes. He even gave him two servants to carry the gifts back with him. When they got to the fort on the hill, the tower, Gehazi took the gifts, crafty man, from the servants, stored them inside the tower, then sent the servants back. Great actor in the presence of God. The Bible talked about people who are wolves outside, maybe homes, and we are doves in the presence of God. Holy, holy, simple, clear in the congregation. Clear actor and clear gifting. Verse 25. He returned and stood before his master, Elisha, as usual. As if nothing has happened. And Elisha said, So what have you been up to, Gehazi? Common question, many of you will identify with. So what have you been up to, Gehazi? Nothing much. Have you heard that language again and again? Nothing much. Nothing megas. Nothing much. And when nothing much comes, nothing much covers a multitude of iniquity. Elisha said, Didn't you know I was with you in spirit? When that man stepped down from his chariot to greet you, tell me, is this a time to look after yourself? Is this a year to look after yourself? Is this a time to step aside and look around and look back and receive a little thank you? Is it a time to get some word? Is it the season of time now to look around for what can part your life, make it better? Economy is hard. Things are difficult. Is it a time to bring back what you should have left? And I was counting on you. Is it a time to look after yourself and forget the goal and forget who you are? Is it now time for you to settle and begin to receive gift from humans anyhow without waiting for God's timing to come and taking it in his own time? Lining your pockets with gifts, Naaman's skin disease will now infect you and your family with no relief in sight. Gehazi walked away, his skin flaky and white, leprous like snow. Friends, watch out for the Gehazi syndrome this year. It will weigh you down. He is capable of detracting you. Do you imagine it's possible? Who handed over to Elisha? Elijah. Was he not? And the Bible told us that Elisha poured water at the hands of who? Elijah. He was his servant. He dutifully served him. He went with him everywhere. And when it was time to go, by his own capacity and keeping focus, he got a double portion of Elijah's anointing. We are told that Elijah wrote about 17 miracles. And Elisha, by God's grace, doubled them to 32, 34 miracles. That's the power of what God would have done with Gehazi. So he would have followed that as Gehazi has been serving and serving, and keeping focus, like Elisha kept his eye on the mark, that most likely the mantle would have fallen on who? Gehazi from Elisha. The gifts he was prematurely running after now. He was cutting corners. 
he was closing the boundaries, would have come without his asking for them in due time. But and so you must get by by every means and by every means. And so he got his own gift right there. And at the moment, instead of focusing on the target, terminated Gehazi syndrome. So my brethren, watch out for those gifts. Watch out for those leprous gifts. Watch out for the inordinate quest for accumulation, possession, money. Watch out for that inordinate quest to have the extra, their extra baggage, a little something more, a little gift to make life gone. Watch out for those tendencies in your place of work and where you are. Watch out for them to receive some what? Watch out for those tendency to personality augmentation at all costs. To receive thank you. To know that you are among the happening guys. And that you are among the happening babes. When we are happening women. More happening ladies. More happening men. And so you want to own a phone that is costing that much. Watch out for how you get there. And so you want to own a car that shows you are among them. And so you want to own a mansion or rent a place that may be beyond what is comfortable for you. And so you may also want to own a gadget that shows as a student I am among them. Watch out for that tendency. When it comes, close up the gap. Forget that. Otherwise, the Gehazi syndrome will make you get to a habit and a lifestyle. Of getting somewhat more. Something more. That can create your eye. Watch out for lining your pockets. With gifts. Covetously. Acquired. In a way that does not get right with God. Watch out for that. Watch out also. For those strange gods that come. Alongside with them. That change your habits. They shut your mouth. Your integrity is gone. You cannot stand for what is right. Watch out. They shut your eyes. You don't see their ill. You don't see the things happening around. You are numbed. You are supposed to be pressing on. Showing forth a light. But you already dim. And you are dimming by. And instead of pressing on. You are marking time. And you are falling back to that lifestyle. Where you are ought to have gotten from. They shut your witness. And there's nothing to say that you are different from the others. And they slacken your peace. Watch out for them. That the Lord will help you in their alertness to also deal with them. And move on in the name of Jesus Christ. What do we do? Remember and identify those strange gods. Those strange habits. Those strange tendencies. They are from the past. A life you are supposed to have left. Identify them. Don't sweep them under the carpet. Don't pretend anymore. Lay aside all guile, all hypocrisies. It's First Peter 2, 1. Lay them aside. They are weights and you can't press. You can't run. You can't get that price. You can't even get halfway. You may not get through the year. If God has mercy, you may be swallowed in them before the year turns up. So we've prayed and we believe God that like he granted us the previous years for no debt. 
But God cannot pardon and has no immunity for anyone who dwells in sin. He's of pure eyes and to behold what? Iniquity. He looks only for the garment of righteousness. So if there's a tendency, if they have been with you, and if you are carrying those baggages into this year, you drop them, forget them, lay them aside. And because we have a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before and are running on yet, let us also lay aside every weight. Every of these, a little somewhat. Every of these, Esau syndrome. Every of the tendencies that question who you are before the world. This year, lay them aside and shine. Shine. Holding forth the word of life. And spreading grace across where you are. As you maintain the focus, the Lord will have mercy upon us. And have us arrive in grand style in the name of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 26 says here, A righteous man may fall seven times. He will do what? He will rise up again. So, rise. So, rise from where you are. Rise from where you're falling. That's Proverbs 24:16, And Job 27:5 says, My integrity till I die will not be removed from me. My focus will not be removed from me. My birthright will not be removed from me. My lifestyle of being a spectacle to the world on behalf of Jesus will not be removed from me. And in Job 27, 6, he says, My righteousness I will hold still. That's the banner. That's the banner. And it can happen with us again. And as we press on in righteousness, we'll receive the glory. We'll meet the gold. We'll meet the prize. And we'll come welcome home, good and faithful servant. And in John 12, 26, Jesus said, If any man serve me, let him follow me. Let him keep a focus on me. And where I am, there will my servant also be. And if any man serve me, him will my father honor. God has said he wants to honor us this year. He wants to honor people this year. He wants people who are so keyed on him that they are lost to every of the practices that get men going by, to secret lives and to tendencies that they have had that they should have lost. And if you drop them aside, he will honor you in the name of Jesus. And may his honor remain clean and clear that when the devil looks and the world looks, they will say, are you not the one who has honored this one? I have had no hand in it. The world has no hand in it. The past has no hand in it. May that be your testimony this year in the name of Jesus Christ. Shall we bow our heads to pray? Press on, but lay aside every baggage. Lay aside the vomit which you're supposed to have left behind, but to go back and lick it up. Lay aside the hypocrisy, presenting two different facets or more. A dove and a wolf. Watch out! For the Esau syndrome. Trading away your salvation. Your identity. For things that are ephemeral. Temporal. Things that do not last. Watch out for the Gehazi syndrome. To get by. To add on. To make ends meet. Watch out. And lay them aside. And forget about them. Is anyone telling God this is me? This is what I'm doing this year. This is what I'm focused on doing. Lord, have mercy upon me. Father, whatever mindset, whatever company, whatever attitude, whatever I have drawn from the world where I'm coming from, 
on here. I lay them aside. I want to press on. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want to receive your honor. The honor that comes from you. And when the honor comes from him, he gives you all that pertain to life this year. Life as a human. Life in your endeavor. Life in your work. Life in your business. You will survive in God's terms. And all that pertain to godliness. And people who see you will take note that this man is on a journey. And you will tell them, come join me, for God has spoken well concerning us. We have a prize, and we are running up there to meet up. Political gladiators are meeting their prize and go, how much more you? What is difficult to leave behind, to forget the past, and to strike on? Tell the Lord, please speak to him. And tell him, Father, no of these weights is coming with me. Lay aside every weight that hangs by you and the besetting sins that easily cling by your side so that you can run the race. You can press on. You can consistently be searched in and out by the devil and all he will find is righteousness. No garment of his. No leprous gift. Nothing that pollutes your testimony. Nothing that has punctured your identity. And if you are here, and you know that in one way or the other, you have already traded away your betrayal, transacted it. It's on the bargain. In one of these areas, the Lord is asking you at this moment, go not. And let there be a time of him coming back into your life and giving you a refining, a refreshing. And you know the spirit of God is gone. And you know the Lord has shut his face against you. And you want to run a race of this year in which you do not own your life, not the year. You are on a risky venture. And the Lord is saying, the ones I have seen in their actions and activity, particularly where we read the message, He said, in the days of my wrath, I will show no mercy. God is showing mercy now. He's showing mercy now. He's showing mercy now. He's showing mercy. That we may pick up and run the race. And so, if you want to rededicate your life, you know where the eyes and the water has gone under the bridge. You know your activities. You know the sexual perversions. You know the addictions. You know the habits you've put on. You know your tendency at home. You know the ones that your spouse does not know. You know the ones that your husband, your wife does not know. You know the ones that make you a chameleon. Lay them aside. And tell the Lord, I come to you. If you are in darkness, please stand where you are. But before you do that, there may be anybody here who has not yet surrendered his life to Christ in the first instance. You haven't even joined the act. You are not there. Jesus is not in your life. There's no witness in you that you belong to God. You're on your own. You're only born once. You have not been born twice. You are born as flesh, as a human being. You're a man now. You're a woman. You're a child. You're a young person. But there is no rebirth. There is no change in you. Your life is still lived by yourself. You haven't been born a second time. It's a risky life to run through. This year, in this climb, you will surrender that life to Jesus. It's only that you give up your life, your sin, and your pride, and he will come in. If you are in such a one who wants to surrender his life, you run to Jesus, looking unto him. He's ready to save you. Please, brook no shame. Just raise your hand where you are. We'll pray together with you. I want to surrender my life to Christ. 
I've lived it on my own all the past years. I want something new. I want a forgiveness of my sins, of my past, and I want to identify with him. If that's you, please raise your hand where you are, because that's the first qualification to run through this year and get by. If anyone is raising his hand, please stand where you are, so that we can pray with you. It's a dangerous assumption to go with the crowd and just remain there. Without a change, you are a risk waiting to happen. The year is uncertain in your hands. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, by our lifestyle, we have let you down. By our lifestyle, we have cast aspersion on our feet. By our actions, we have traded away, and we are still trading away. Our long-term eternal gifts for short-term appetites. In our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits, in our flesh, in our work, in our disposition. Forgive us. Have mercy on me. Grant me grace, Lord, as I return to you. I'm sorry for the past. I lay them aside and I cleanse myself of all filthiness of my flesh and of the Spirit. And I yield back to you. Take me on. Cleanse me. Make me new. Return your Holy Spirit to me. Remove me no more from your presence. And let the joy of salvation also rise again in my life. And let my life show your glory and press on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, even so let it be for these ones and for all who have erred and whose life and testimony have been swayed down and who would have been on the way down as Lot's wife, down as Esau, down as Gehazi. Heavenly Father, Father, forgive, cleanse, and make new and accept us in your beloved. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Shall we just say this prayer of affirmation and declaration on our lives this year together? My heart has no desire, Lord, to stay where doubts, where past life, where worldness, where unrighteousness, where gaining ground and trading my birthrights. And we are fears dismay. My heart has no desire to remain looking around, looking at the economy, looking at the environment, looking at political space to determine my work with you. My heart has no desire to stay where cutting corners and where lifestyle that my identity will be my portion. Father, those some may dwell there, on these and abound. My prayer, my aim, my goal is a higher ground, a greater work with you, a closer work with you, more of your revelation, more of your nature, more of your lifestyle, 
move your presence, move your light, shining around and showing forth every day, moment by moment, that I have a goal, I have a prize, and I will reach there by your grace in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. As you grant me the motivation every day, every moment, to live as one, pressing forward, reaching forward, forgetting the things behind, forgetting the worldly standard, forgetting the ways of getting by, forgetting the things that are past, that bogged me down. I laid them aside, and I run the race, sit before me with patience. I receive God, a place of blessing, a place of honor, a place of grace, as I run towards you with my eyes in heaven. This is my desire. This is my prayer. Thank you, Father, because you have answered me. And so will it be. In Jesus' name we pray.